Is there a book you'd like to hear on the podcast, or would you just like a shout-out? Then you're in luck. You can send me a one-minute-long voice recording about either. How do you do this? You can either click on the link in the description, scroll down, click on Messages, hit Start Recording, and you can record a one-minute-long recording, or you can type in the link anchor.fm slash chloe897.com slash messages, and just click click the start recording button when you're recording add your name age and if you want me to play recording we mention you if and if it's just a book request just let me take it into consideration thank you so much please like subscribe give us a few stars and a review and just tell your friends and family about the show thank you guys so much again now on with the show hey guys it's chloe your old host your old friend your old pal pal coming back with another episode of chloe's stories so today we are reading part two of part 10 (laughs) So, today we are reading the second half of chapter 10, I believe. I think it's 10. Hold on. 9. 9. So, let's get started. If you're reading along, we are on near the bottom of page 174. As she realized to... As she continued to step slowly forward, at at last she realized that the thing on the days was it was a brain a disembodied brain an oversized brain just large enough larger than a normal to be completely revolting and terrifying a living brain a brain that pulsed and quivered that seized and commanded no wonder the brain was called it it was the most horrible the most repellent thing she had ever seen far more nauseating than anything she'd ever imagined with her conscious mind that she had ever tormented her in most terrible nightmares but as she felt she was beyond fear now she was beyond screaming she looked at charles wallace and he stood there turned towards it his jaw hanging slightly loose his vacant blue eyes twirled Oh, yes, things could always be worse. These twirling eyes within Charles Wallace's soft round face make men, Meg icy cold inside and out. She looked away from Charles Wallace at her father. Her father stood there with Mrs. Who's glasses still perched on his nose. Did he remember that he had them on? And he shouted to Calvin, Don't give in! I won't! Help Meg! Calvin yelled back. It was absolutely silent within the dome, and yet Meg realized that the only way to speak was to shout with all the power possible. For everywhere she looked, everywhere she turned was the rhythm, and as it continued to control the stall and distal of her heart, the intake and outlet of her breath, the red mazima began to creep before her eyes again, and she was afraid that she was going to lose conscious as if and if she did, she would be completely in the power of it. And Mrs. Watson had said, Meg, I give you your faults. What was her greatest fault? Anger, impatience, stubbornness? Yes, it was to her faults that she turned to save herself now. With an immense effort, she tried to breathe against the rhythm of it, but its power was too strong. Each time she managed to take a breath out of rhythm, an iron hand seemed to squeeze her heart and lungs. Then she remembered what had been... S- what they she remembered what they had been standing before the man with red eyes and the man with red eyes had been intoning the multiplication table with them charles wallace had fought against the power by shouting out nursery rhymes and calvin by i the jet bird address georgie porgie put in pie she yelled kissed the girls and made them cry that was no good it was too easy for nursery rhymes to fall into the rhythm of it 
She didn't know the Gettysburg address. How did the Declaration of Independence begin? She had memorized it only that winter, not because she was required at school, but simply because she liked it. We hold the truths to be self-evident, she shouted, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creators with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. As she cried out the words, she felt her mind moving as on her own, felt it seizing, squeezing her brain. Then she realized that Charles Wallace was speaking or being spoken through by it. But that's exactly what we have on Camazons. Complete equality. Everybody here exactly alike. For a moment, her brain reeled with confusion. Then came a moment of blazing truth. No, she cried. Um, like and equal are not the same thing at all. Good girl, Mac, her father shouted at her. Charles Wallace continued as though he had not. there had been no interruption. In Camazots, all are equal. In Camazots, everybody is the same as everybody else. But he gave her no argument, provided no answer, and she held on to her moment of reliation. Like and equal are two entirely different things. For a moment she had escaped from the power of it. But how? She knew that her own puny little brain was no match for this great, bodiless, pulsing, writhing mass of round dyes. She shuddered as she looked at it. In the lab at school, there had been a human brain preserved in formalide, and the seniors prepared this for college had take, to take it out and look at it and study it. Meg had felt that when the day came, she would never be able to endure it. But now she thought that it, if only she had a dissecting knife, she would slash it, cutting it ruthlessly through cerebellum cellulum. Words spoke through her directly this time, not through Charles. Don't you realize that if you destroy me, you also destroy your little brother? If that great rain was were cut, were crushed, would every mind under its control on Camazots die too? Charles Wallace and the man with red eyes and the man who ran the number one spelling machine on the second grade level and all the children playing ball and skipping rope and all the mothers and all the men and women who were going in and out of the building was their life completely dependent on it were they all beyond beyond all possibility of salvation she felt the brain reaching at her again and she let her stubborn control slip red fog glazed her eyes faintly she heard her father's voice though she knew he was shouting at the top of his lungs the periodic table of elements meg say it a picture flashed in her mind of winter evenings spent before the open fire and studying with her father. Hydrogen? Helium, he started obediently. Put them in their proper automatic order. What next? She knew it. Yes. Lithium, beryllium, boron, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, fluorine. She shouted the words that her father turned away from it. Neon, sodium, magnesium, al- aluminum, silicon, phosphorus. Too rhythmical, father shouted. What's the square root of five? For a moment, she was able to concentrate. Rack your brain yourself, Meg. Don't let it rack them. The square root of five is 2.236, she cried triumphantly, because 2.236 times 2.236 equals five. What's the square root of seven? The square root of seven is... She broke off. She wasn't holding out. It was getting at her, and she couldn't concentrate, not even on math, and... And soon, too, she would be absorbing it. It would, 
She would be an it. Tesser, sir! She heard Calvin's voice through the red darkness. Tesser! She felt her father grab her by the wrist. There was a terrible jerk that seemed to break every bone in her body, then the dark nothing of tessering. Tessering with Mrs. Whatsit, Mrs. Who, Mrs. Which had been a strange, fearful experience that was nothing like tessering with her father. After all, Mrs. Which was experienced at it, but Mr. Murray, how did he know anything about it at all? Meg felt that she was being torn apart by a whirlwind. She lost in an old agony of pain that she finally dissolved in the darkness of complete unconsciousness. And that is the end of chapter 9. Okay, so half the second half wasn't as long as the other one, so this is a very short episode. But I just like to say thank you guys all for listening. If you need information on how to contact, it's in the very beginning. Um, I am so looking forward to hearing you guys tell me some stuff, and I will see you guys soon. Bye!